You're listening to The Next Dimension, Dragon Ball Z Presents, Vegeta's Pride, A Wicked Soul Revealed, and Countdown. 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 Dragon Ball Z podcast, as always and usually. I'm your host, Donovan Morgan Grant, and as always and forever, I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Mr. Jesse Geertz. Hello, hello, folks, and Donovan, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, it is now May, if, if you guys paying attention to what they download, and it's it's getting a little bit warmer, sun is out brighter, and generally I'm in a better mood because I don't like the cold and I don't like the rain. What about you, sir? Same here. I'm uh, enjoying the nice sunny weather, and I'm getting prepared for summer. Working on my tan and uh, my beach body. Okay, none of that is true, but. <laughs> well, I mean, it'll be easier because we both live in the South where it tends to be a bit harder than those who might not live in uh, the, the the Bible Belt or whatever. But uh, as you said last time, enough enough talk about the weather. Uh, we are going to jump right into it. Uh, we're, <laughs> the hosts of the Next Dimension are in between job shifts. One's just got off and one, just, one has to go soon, so. We wanted to leap right into it. Uh, thank you very much to everyone who's emailed in. In this episode, you will hear all your emails, but in this current live recording, we shall just cover a couple of them, one from a new emailer and one from a returning emailer, and the rest shall be read uh, before the finished project is edited at the very end. So without further ado, Jesse shall get right into our first email from a Miss Chelsea Williams. All right. <clears throat> Hello, coming from Sweden. I recently began listening to your podcast in January of this year. I have found your review of each saga to be highly insightful and enticing. I have to admit, my favorite sagas are the Frieza-Boo saga, given the elements of sci-fi and fantasy. Honestly, honestly, Boo and Frieza were my favorite villains. 
I'm exceptionally satisfied that you are now covering the Boo saga and now entering towards the reveal of Majin Boo. The character of Boo was the most compelling for there were so many layers to his character. Given that he was such a galactic villain, he has the sense of innocence and ultimately as his character transforms into what becomes is the ultimate triumph of the series. The endless battle of good versus evil within the confines of human nature. Akira Toriyama explores depth of character which is masterfully interwoven by such greats as Asimov, Philip K. Dick, and even George R. R. Martin. Whoa. <laughs> Somewhere Jason rages. Was it mentioned the The Boo Saga touches on a number of themes and lessons that our modern day culture could honestly learn from. That is my two cents regarding the saga. My question centers on the Super Saiyan God legend. A live-action movie, and which of your favorite fantasy epic? Which is your favorite fantasy epic franchise? Regarding Super Saiyan God, I was a bit confused about the pure-hearted Saiyan angle. Could you explain this a bit farther? I loved the Super Saiyan God element, but seeking answers to the pure-hearted Saiyan explanation. Uh, I guess to say right off the bat, uh, we will talk about that more when we get into Battle of Gods. But right now, because because that that was briefly mentioned. Um, if you remember back when Vegeta first went Super Saiyan, Krillin goes, I thought you'd have pure heart to be a Super Saiyan. And Justin and I both discussed the fact that, like, that was never said once up until that moment, which is – so it's a bit of a weird kind of, like, like answer, which I'm not sure where it derives from. But uh, considering the Super Saiyan guy, we'll definitely get into that um, several, several months down the line when we talk about Battle of Gods once the boost like is over. Which uh, – if we remember correctly, Vegeta says he's pure evil. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of was foreshadowing, but uh, I digress. Oh, yes. Second, I believe a live-action movie could work if a movie team was highly passionate of the project and given a reasonable budget and have not had to deal with the policies of Hollywood. I believe a faithful live-action DBZ film would revolutionize the genre. What do you think? What do you think, Jesse? Real quick, Jesse. I'll hit this one up first. So I think for it to work, it would have to be an adaptation, and it could not stick perfectly to the uh, to the source material it you would you would want to in certain ways but I think the best adaptations knows what works better as a film or better in motion than like a manga would now I think the uh, the so-called live action adaptation we got got everything wrong <laughs> but I think it could it's just a matter of doing it correctly and I think that I, I don't think anything is unfilmable I think you can get the idea of the story and, and hit the same beats correctly uh, it's just a matter of what has to change and what has to sit the same yeah this, this question's kind of come up uh, a lot recently which you know for good reason because it's, it's a legitimate question I have especially in a in the fandom and my brother and I actually talked about it a bit because he's actually gotten a bit more into Dragon Ball like, he doesn't listen to the show but he's like, read a lot more of the manga um what they did with Dragon Ball Evolution was, uh, for, you know, for what I obviously know, which is, uh, you don't have to watch the movie to know this, but they did try to do an adaptation of the original Dragon Ball part where Goku was a kid, even though he was played by a grown man, Justin Chapman, but never mind. Um, and they tried to have the cake and eat it, too, with having, like, I think Jesse even said this, like having the young boy slash older character version. And they tried to condense a lot of the first arc and the Piccolo arc. Um, as so many adaptations do, in that it said, hey, let's take this, these years' worth of storyline and shove it into one movie. 
and they didn't cut enough and they didn't merge it correctly and it just turned into crap like either either take the the story of him growing up out of that or take the story you know of him as an older child or older man and adapt that don't don't fit too much into one they they were more looking at the milestones and the iconic scenes that you got to have in there at the expense of a coherent story you know i i think honestly here's what i think could happen um, we talked about, like, how in this Boo arc, Videl is a great new character because she also – it's sort of a reintroduction to the Z-Fighters and the concept of Dragon Ball Z in terms of the superpowered fighting and stuff. I think that would not be a, a bad way to go about it. Now, of course, that's also, like that's, – that's at the end of the series. You have the, not only the Cell Saga, but the entire Frieza and then the whole entirety of Dragon Ball beforehand to kind of talk about. Um I kind of think that, like, if you somehow do a Dragon Ball Z arc and then have, like, a lot of the Dragon Ball stuff as background, you can not only try to explain – it would be hard to explain a lot of it at the forefront. But there were, I think Dragon Ball really does work as a pre – okay, obviously, Dragon, the series started out with Dragon Ball. That was the initial series. So I don't want to, like, say – I don't want to relegate that to a lower status. But I think in terms of, like, popularity and marketing, it might work well as, might work well as a prequel series, kind of like how Star Wars did to where – the big lead of this work to explain later on, and you explain, like, you know, the more popular elements, not exactly, but you know, the more popular elements now, like, if they somehow, I mentioned that if they somehow did the Saiyan arc, that might be kind of cool to see. Now, again, this, this is all going to, like, you know, the idea of, like, a budget in terms of the fighting, uh, actual good martial arts action that you could follow, energy attacks that, that they don't wuss out on, um, you know, and even the similar parts, like, you know, like uh, King Kai and all that stuff. Yeah, I think that um, – I think with Dragon Ball Z, and this is obviously from my uh, opinion that of not seeing the original series, it seems like the general consistence, con- consensus is that Dragon Ball Z is, is better than Dragon Ball in the instance of it. it's what it wanted to be. It's what, it's what it came into its own kind of. And as you were saying, setting up as a prequel series or more as a backdrop and background to these characters would work better than vice versa, than leading up to something like the Saiyan Saga. I think you could film the Saiyan Saga in a movie, a single film, maybe a two-and-a-half-hour film. I think it could work because ultimately it's you, – you have an introduction of the characters in the first act. You could have the arrival of the Saiyans in the second act, the training, and then – Towards the end of the second act slash third act, you could have the Sabu Men attack, Yamcha die, uh, <laughs> preferably in slow motion, and then you could have fight with Gohan, or Goku and Krillin. I mean, Go- Goku, <laughs> a very short fight, Goku and Vegeta, and I think that would be a satisfying film, and you could set it up uh, for a, a father act. Yeah, I agree. I think that, like, I really do think that, like, um, the same arc works well because... Uh, I mean, of course, you gotta get out of the uh, get out of the way the fact that these people can come back to life. Um, you know, you set up this you know, a quick fight between Goku and his brother. Uh, you know, then you gotta do the whole like like a year worth of training. See all see all these characters that are friends. See them die. It's, it's, that would be kind of tricky because like again, when they did DBZ on Tsunami, we introduced the Yamcha, Tien, Kron, all these characters. Like they all like you know just fall like daisies. It's almost like. It kind of reminds me of like the adaptation they did for Superman Doomsday, where they kind of had to do three stories in one movie, which is a bit tricky. And they kind of, in my opinion, they kind of dropped a ball in terms of adaptation. Uh, it would not be easy, but I think it's one of the easier arcs to adapt and to bring a new audience into DBZ that way, in my opinion. 
Yeah, and I think you could you could merge some of the characters, uh, Tien and Yamcha. You could maybe maybe merge those, or at least leave one out. Um, I well, mean, you, know, you, you probably don't need Chaozu. Yeah, yeah, Chaozu. No, definitely not. <laughs> like, I mean, your central player, players there are going to be Goku, Piccolo, Krillin to a lesser extent, and you know you don't need a whole lot of time developing Yamcha or Tien. I mean, you want enough as as character beats, but you don't really need to see them fighting, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I honestly think that this is doable. Um, a big, he needs to be, you know, brute force. He's, he's second string to Vegeta. Vegeta's where you need the character intera- interactions. Yeah, it's like, it's one of those things where, like, you know, you need iconic... Like the Goku and Vegeta scene, if if you can, if we can somehow nail that, then, like, the movie will be... That, that, that's what you sell the movie with. Something I wouldn't want to see... Something I'd actually loathe would be retroactively weakening Vegeta's character, retroactively throwing in like doubt or throwing in, you know, like glimpses limps, of good. It's, it's like no, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like oh, I'm the last of the Saiyans, and and showing from his angle. Yeah, you don't need to see that. That and that kind of flies in the face of what his character is, and ultimately what his character becomes. Like he's, it's not a. No one. I don't think anybody saw it coming. Like I don't think it's telegraphed. Like, oh, he's gonna become a good guy, you know? Oh yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, he, he. I mean, like, really. And <laughs> hey, we're gonna talk about this today. He's pure evil when he first shows up. Oh yeah, and it's a very slow and gradual, and which I think makes it a lot more believable and and a lot less stereotypical than what you see nowadays. You know, where every other villain is a sympathetic villain. Like, we don't need to see that. Like, that's what I think makes him work so well in the series. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of storytelling nowadays is is going after what was done successfully with his character. Yeah, I think that like I, I mean I, I'm not sure if I mentioned this back in episode four, but I do remember hearing that I, like when I was watching the series, like someone told me that like Vegeta becomes a good guy, and it was just that was just so hard to visualize because he was like one of the sickest characters. <laughs> yeah, but, that's like saying, oh yeah, I mean essentially it's just like saying, oh Frieza becomes a good guy. Yeah, it, it, it is. It is on that level. It's on that level. Um, I, although obviously, obviously, you make him a a cool bad guy, so you want to see him more and more, which is what we saw. Like like later on, the the Saiyan arc movie ends with you know the journey to Namek, and that will end with the Frieza arc, where you know you'll see but you develop even further. And then after that, you, you go on. You know, I I, I, I think this, we could probably sit down and, and like write this out if we had the time, especially today. But um, it, I I hmm, uh, to answer the actual question, <laughs> and which was. Uh, if it could have revolutionized the genre in terms of like an anime to American Hollywood production adaptation, probably because uh, I like Speed Racer, but I think that, that was the best anime to American film adaptation there was, and even that wasn't well received. So it's definitely a genre that that needs a good film in it. And I think that's a genre and an adaptation, I guess, format that hasn't been cracked yet. You know, we've had, we have comic book movies which are pretty much down pat. Like if you watch current comic movies and compare them even to the early 2000 movies, it's a rat- radically different. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, we have that. You've got, obviously, novels to film. I, yeah, but Japan, Japanese movies, obviously, in, as a whole, getting translated, you know, not only do you have, like, a manga to an anime to an American film, you also have the cultural differences. Stuff like Master Roshi, you know, in American audiences would come off extremely weird. <laughs> so what an awful character that old guy was. Definitely. Which, I mean, I, and like, you know, from what I know from Dragon Ball Evolution, we'll talk about their uh, their interpretation of Master Roshi in that movie. Uh, oh, poor child, fat. But, um, but like, the final word on this, I would think that, like, uh, 
one thing I would say is to, to look at the Japanese live-action adaptations of anime they've done. They have done like, um, oh god, uh, there's that there's that Sentai series that they did. But also, I know that they've done an, a live-action adaptation of Rurouni Kenshin, which I've seen trailers for, and it looks great. It's definitely it's, it's definitely of the DBZ era in terms of like the '90s shonen anime, and it looks really really awesome. Now that now Rurouni Kenshin is a bit more grounded than DBZ is a bit, slightly more, a little bit, but um. That kind of thing, if you can kind of crack the code with DBZ in that kind of direction, I think it would be awesome. Definitely. I agree. Definitely. I think if, if I think DBZ would be a great place to start because it is so well-known even to American audiences that it has so many fantastical ideas and kind of genre-setting ideas that once you did that, it would pave the way for a lot more adaptations. Probably inferior, but, you know, a lot more. Like, I think that they've been trying to get a Akira film off the ground for oh, years. Oh, yeah. yeah, they have been, yeah. Keeps you know stalling. I would love to go see a good Dragon Ball film and be excited about it. I'm wondering if we're, we're going to see that in our lifetime. We we might. I mean, a good one, a good one. Uh, but uh, only time shall tell. I would. I would. It would be like like the new Godzilla film. It looks amazing and it kind of washes away everything from the '98 Godzilla film. So I would love some, something to do that to Dragon Ball Evolution. <laughs> God willing. Uh, anyway, off that tangent, that that was a good question, though. We, we really got into that one. Thank you. So her next question. <clears throat> Third, which of your top five favorite fantasy epic – which is your top five fran- fan- favorite fantasy epic franchises? For me, one, Dragon Ball. Two, Harry Potter. Three, Voltron. Four, Star Wars. Five, Game of Thrones. I've never seen anything like Dragon Ball. I believe the series touches on a number of themes, and it just takes everything to the next level. Thanks for reading my email. I hope it wasn't too long. However, continue to bring out great podcasts, and it would be great if you just went ahead and did a podcast on the original series as well. Uh-oh. Keep up work, Uh-oh. Kelsey. Well, thank you very much, Kelsey. That was a, that was a very well put together, very interesting email. I, I really enjoyed it. Thank so, you very much. Put up your five favorite fantasy epics. Um, I'm not as steeped in fantasy epics as other nerds might be. Uh, I, I have, I, I own all the Harry Potter films, or films, uh, novels. I've read them all, um, and I've seen all the, all the films. I've only read them once, though. And I, I can't, I wouldn't, I would be dishonest if I said I'm a Harry, Harry Potter devotee. You know, I, I suppose I'm a fan in that I like the series, but I'm not like a, a fanboy in that, like, I'm a big follower of the series and I hang on J.K. Rowling's every word. Although, her announcement that she said that she shipped uh, the wrong characters together did make me laugh. Um, uh, <laughs> I liked Voltron when it came out. I didn't watch as much of it when Robotech replaced on Junagi. Um, and, you know, I, I, I like Star Wars tangentially, but I really, and I've not seen Game of Thrones. But, um, I mean, like, you know, aside from DBC, my favorite, like, kind of, like, you know, kind of franchises or things are, I mean, I mean, I love Batman. I love Spider-Man. Uh, ever since I was a child, I, I have. Um, and it's gotten really into Daredevil. But like I mean, besides, and I said before that like um like those Spider-Man, Batman, and DBC are, are my three passions from when I was younger, and they saw to a certain degree. Um, it's hard for me to think of anything else because in that case, that would be something for me to podcast over. But those are really the ones that come to mind. What about yourself, Jesse? Uh, of the lists of the ones she lists, Star Wars is the only one I'm a fan of. I appreciate all the other ones. Like if you're a fan of those, more power to you. Mm-hmm. And I know all of them have their own their own, you know, fan base. And, and well, obviously, DBZ, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of now, you know. Of but uh, Harry Potter, I've never read any of the books. 
Voltron, I've seen the episodes. I can't tell you much about the, the storyline, Game of Thrones. Never watched it. Never read anything by it. Honestly, not that interested by it. Not that I don't don't like it. Just nothing seems appealing to me. But uh, you know, Star Wars is definitely up there. I saw the films as a little kid. I'm super stoked about the new ones. Just the idea of seeing Mark Hamill on the screen is like <laughs> it's up there with up there with the first Spider-Man film. That's one of the things I've always wanted to see in my lifetime. Um, let's see. So yeah, obviously Spider-Man and really Marvel comics in general, just their entire universe. Uh, as a kid, I, I would uh, I grow up and I would just read like the Marvel handbook and just steep, you know steep in that universe, all the characters cross over, all the storylines that. That's how I learned to read, honestly, with comic books. So that's always going to be one of my favorites. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, you know, I really can't think of much. Godzilla. I've, I've loved the Godzilla films. As a looser continuity of those those have, I've uh, always appreciated that. I, I can't really think of anything else. <laughs> I forgot about you. You and your Godzilla affinity. That's, that is true. That's true. Yes. <laughs> um, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know, really, like, like uh, uh, Jess and I are big comic fans. It's sort of a comic we came to be familiar with each other. And, like, you know, we have, we have, we have, I know I have a sick comic book collection. I, I imagine Jesse has as well. Uh, I actually don't on me. I've I, uh, given, given my comic books to my nephew to hold. Oh, okay. He really enjoys reading them. And in my, my current place, I don't have a, a lot of room for them. And I've gone mostly digital nowadays, but right. he really enjoys reading them. And, I mean, the oldest comic I have in there is from the 90s. But for him, that's, you know, a lifetime ago. Two lifetimes ago. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, thank you very much, Kelsey. That was a great email. Please, uh, we hope to hear back from you. Our next email is from Rick Bourne. R- Rick Bourne or Rich Bourne? Uh, he interchanges. It's, uh, it's, he signs it, it's from Rich Bourne, but he signs it Rick, so. Uh-oh. Okay, okay. I was making sure they're the same guy. I was like, wait, wait, wait. We have another one? <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Hello again. Oh. <clears throat> Dude, they're they're doing a new Power Rangers movie. Did you hear that? I did. Uh, Josh texted me this morning about it. I saw that. Uh, it, like it came across my my phone as I was driving home. I was like, "What the hell?" Anyway, <laughs> hello once again, dudes. First and foremost, I must call bullshit on the Dabaris title. Yes. The king, the king of darkness has always been and forever shall be Tech Nine. <laughs> oh. Tech 9 reference, gotta love it. <laughs> These episodes may drag on, but I'm a sucker for the video game style fights in them. You get to see Goku use his head, Gohan showing he can still kick ass, and Vegeta being far and away the most gloriously badass mofo on the planet. His decimation of Pew Pew, wait, how do you, is that pronounced right? Pui Pui? Pui Pui, that's it. I kept wanting to say Kui Kui, but I, that was the guy in, like, the Frieza saga. Right. <laughs> his decimation of Pui Pui, <laughs> still stand as a favorite moment in all of DBZ for me. It's nice when tradition is broken and Vegeta can pump someone without his hubris bringing his downfall. I wish Piccolo and Krillin had more to do here. <laughs> Krillin. <laughs> you fool. Y- y- Yakon. But no, they are literally spit on it by the plot. <laughs> At least they fared better than Kabuto. The more I think about it, the more I wonder why Supreme Kai even bought, brought him along. He did nothing but stand around and wait to be vaporized. He just seemed like a wasted character so far. Time will tell. I know I would have preferred Krillin's just-like-the-old-days attitude to Supreme Kai's constant shock and awe. 
The tournament seems like it loses direction once the Kai is introduced, so they have to slap together a battle royal. If nothing else, it gives some fun Android 18 moments, which is far too seldom on this show. Agreed. Edit. Since my Gen 1 X-Droid won't let me scroll down after saving my draft, I can't finish my original send-off below. So, again, I say about that. Wait. So, again, I say that's about it for now, fellas. Check you later. Rich. Rick. Mr. Bourne. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Bourne. Uh, first, I want to say uh, there there are plenty of uh, great new phones out that surpass the Droid X. You might want to look into that. We need your full emails, man. Full emails. None of this cutoff crap. Indeed, so. Uh, I do want to. I do really want to agree with him on the tournament losing direction. Mm-hmm. Because I was watching these episodes, and there's a point when I was like, "Oh man, it cut back." Like I wanted to see the action. It seemed like a distraction. So. Yeah, I, I at once the the tournament's kind of over, and it really is over after like uh, the 18 Satan fight. I got tired, kind of tired of seeing, like, you know, saying, like, brag every episode, because, like, it was a, it got obligatory, like, you know, yeah, I won! Oh, wait, what about Age of 18? Oh, no, she's right over there! Like, they did, like, three or four times, and I kind of, like, like... There's one time in these episodes that is one of my funniest moments in DBZ, but uh, I'll uh, touch on it later. Oh, yes, and uh, we shall get on to that right now but before then we shall cut real quick for a promo break and we'll be back with the reviews hey there folks my name's ian levenstein host of the comic timing podcast over at speakgeekspeak.com slash comic timing comic timing is a roundtable discussion podcast with a rotating panel of guests so rather than me talking through this entire promo here's some random snippets from the show with as many people as i can possibly find on my hard drive that have been on this show and I don't even want to count how many that is. Mr. Cole, bullshit. I'll, I'll grant you. But aren't they all? <laughs> what if you were, Ian? You have won a brand new uh, Skype. Yay. Yeah, you, me, and a brick the next time we're in New York. I was going to say that in one year, this recording is going to end up in some court report. You know? <laughs> I've, I've actually been on other people's podcasts more than I've actually done my own in the year 2007. Well, I, 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 I know that feeling. Her name is X23. I mean, she's got to well, live her life as X23. It's very good because it's not written by Daniel Way. <laughs> this is Batman. Yes, I love Puck. You just can't put a cow on the logo. Exactly. <laughs> Interested in finding out how these things actually play into the context of the show? Well, go ahead and listen to it. It's over at speakgeekspeak.com slash comic timing. You can find us on iTunes, and we are all over the place on all your podcast aggregators and the works. So go ahead and check out comic timing, and remember, as always, there's always time for comics. Why do you think superheroes are so important? People need heroes because they need somebody to inspire them, something to aim for, somebody to try to be like. One is the man of tomorrow, with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. The other, the caped crusader carrying out a solemn vow to spend his life warring on all criminals. For seven decades, they've been the world's finest heroes. They've teamed on radio, comics, newspapers, animation, and more. And now, they're teaming up for a podcast. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Up. 
Oh, and away! Atomic batteries. Turbines to speed. Superman and Batman celebrates more than 70 years of the world's finest team with randomly chosen stories featuring the Man of Steel and the Dark Knight. Superman and Batman, featuring your two favorite heroes in one podcast together. Find it today at GreatCrypton.com. Nah, this whole thing would be over with right now if it wasn't for you. I hope you're proud of yourself. What do you mean? I mean you disgraced us with your pitiful performance. There's no excuse for you fighting the way you did. You have Saiyan blood running through your veins. A warrior like Kapura should be dead. And now you're sitting here scratching your head, wondering what's next when it should already be finished. You are pitiful. Fighting with that soft, righteous look on your face. It's brute strength that determines the outcome of a battle, not goodness. The mightiest survive and the weak perish. Your Piccolo and Krillin were turned to stone. That's because they're weaklings. Is that the kind of fate you want for yourself? Ugh, garden statues! If they're lucky, someone will make a birdbath out of them! Maybe Vegeta's right. If he'd fought Deborah, he might have destroyed him. Then Krillin and Piccolo would be restored back to their normal selves. Oh, what have I done? Hey, look, Gohan didn't know that Tapura was going to run off. I'm sure he would have wanted one of us to fight him if he knew. Oh, yes, now there's a pleasant excuse. You're as soft as he is, Kakarot. And I'm tired of playing around. I'm going to put an end to this thing once and for all. Vegeta, what are you doing? No more we call it excuses, Kakarot. I'm taking control of this operation now. And for starters, I'm going to blow this ship to kingdom come. Wait, that might do us more harm than good. Goku's right. If you blow up the ship now, you'll most certainly revive Boo. Vegeta, listen, please. You don't know Boo. His power is horrible. He's pure evil. Not even the four Kais combined could stop him. He's murdered millions of innocent people. Shut up. Don't be a fool. If Boo's revived, this planet's finished. History. All living things will be exterminated. He'll turn the Earth into a dark, lifeless tomb. Enough. <sighs> now you listen to me. What happens to this planet is none of my concern. The strongest will find a way to survive, and the weaklings shall perish. What kind of person are you? Hey, shut it out. This has gone far enough. How dare you? You better let go of me, Kakarot. Come on, let's put what's happened behind us and move forward from here. All right, whatever you say, Kakarot. Now what I want to know is why they withdrew from the fight. And we are back. Last time, we after, after we concluded the Tenkaichi Budokai, we cut back to the final stage before Baba, Baba, Baba D and Majin Buu's throne room was. And we were about to see Gohan fight Deborah, the King of Darkness, or so he says. And uh, the last time we saw Gohan, he had just become into a Super Saiyan, or is a Super Saiyan 2. That's actually very vague, but we'll probably discuss that slightly later on. Anyway... The fight gets started, and Gohan gets some good hits in, but when he t once he tells Deborah to, you know, kick it up a notch and fight with his true power, Deborah botches him so. So, they basically battle, and they trade blows. Gohan gets some hit in, Gohan gets some hits in, Deborah gets some hits in, but they neither neither really damages the other. I mean, Gohan's close to get torn, but he's, he's okay. And, um, throughout this entire time, Goku's like, man, he has been slacking off. And, um, Vegeta says, even after seven years of peace, you should be able to finish him off by now. 
Come on. I'm getting very, very impatient. And this causes the board to kind of slightly glance at him. After Gohan loses his precious, precious glove to being turned to stone by being spit on by Deborah, um, after a couple more hits and Deborah basically yanks out a sword from his ass, Gohan snaps in the half. And by this point, Vegeta's completely lost his patience for the entire uh, Boo saga at this point. So he says, all right, Kakarot, call your boy down now, as though you were his general. I'll, I'll finish this guy. I can kill him in five minutes. And, of course, Kaido Shen's like, no, no, you can't. And Goku's like, it's okay. We've all fought one-on-one. It's Johan's turn. Just give him, give him more time. And Vegeta's like, why do I have to, why do I have to pretend this is important? I don't, I don't understand. Like, is playing with him. He's not fighting at his full power. And Gohan's just playing with himself the entire time. You should do better than this. So, uh, Deborah, at this point, has, has been listening to Vegeta's consternations. So he telepathically tells Babadi to teleport them back to the ship, because they tele- teleport them from the volcano planet, and um, says, I found our new uh, recruit to bring back Majin Buu, and uh, with, with his help, we'll surely resurrect Majin Buu. So uh, they go back to the ship, and uh, Deborah just walks away smiling. Uh, Kaioshin's wondering, like, there's no other fighters. Deborah's as strong as there is. Who, what other character can they bring out? And this entire time, Vegeta is just like, just bitching at people. <laughs> he's really pissed off. Um, he, he's like, I got an insult here. They mentioned something about, you couldn't even save Krillin and Piccolo. And Vegeta says, ha, maybe someone will use him as a birdbath best. If they're lucky. <laughs> he, he starts slagging on Gohan. Such a horrible insult, but just the the anger that sees through him. I was like, man, that is so cold, Vegeta. I know. I, I, like, he's like, oh, Piccolo and Krillin were weak, and so are you. And you're the worst of all, Kakarot. You were allowing this crap. And like, he gets so upset that he's about to blow up the entire ship and just, just ended everything. Kaioshin says, wait, no. If you do that, you risk waking up Boo. If he uh, awakens, this entire planet is finished. Everyone on the planet will die. Don't you understand? And then Vegeta points his glass at Kaioshin and says, Now you listen to me. I don't care. I don't give a f*** about the planet. All I want to do is fight Kakarot. Do you understand? Nothing else matters. And Kaioshin even says, like, like, what kind of person are you? At that point, Goku just takes a man and says, Hey, stop it. You know, <laughs> I'm still the main character, damn it. And Vegeta's like, how dare you? He calms Vegeta down with plot. He doesn't. <laughs> Wait, it will calm you down. Well, th- this entire time, um, uh, Reader Pulse and Goldar have been watching on their crystal ball, and um, they have the idea. <laughs> That's what it seemed like. I don't think any other character has a crystal ball in the show, but uh, the entire time, Bobby is like, <laughs> "That's a little gerbil face." Oh, Bobby, he's so ridiculous. <laughs> he is pretty awesome. I'm not gonna lie. So uh, they they had the idea to turn him into like what he did with Pui Pui Yakan and Dabora by basically turning him into one of his Majin minions. So uh, he pretty much does all that. And then Kaioshin at the last second figures out, oh no, <laughs> all this whining from Vegeta, he must be the soldier that they're looking for. And at that moment, Vegeta starts yelling and grabbing his head, and um, Babadi just starts saying all these incantations and starts yelling at the crystal ball. And Vegeta just starts screaming at the top of his lungs. He's in torturous pain. He's in so much pain that he tries to become a super saiyan to fight it off, but it's just it's to no avail, and there's red lightning everywhere. Um, Gohan, Goku, and Kaioshin are just like aghast, because it's a really horrific sight, and Gohan's like, what's going on? Is it, is it, are they trying to kill him? And Kaioshin's like, no, they're trying to, to turn him into one of his Babadi's minions. So after after like ten minutes of, of straight Chris Sabat screaming, which I can't imagine was nice for him, um, 
Vegeta like like falls to the ground and um, he stands up and he has a wicked smile on his face and the letter M uh, tattooed onto his forehead and, and his eyes are he basically has eyeliner on his eyes and um, this is uh Maja Vegeta now so, th- so uh, th- yeah this is this is a thing so um, he's just he's just looking very very evilly and like Kaioshin realizes that it's too late and he is now under Bobbley's control or is he? So, at this point, uh, Bobbity says, I know just where they need to fight. And he transfers them back into the world tournament, the world tournament stage, uh, right in front of Mr. Satan and the announcer. Uh, the announcer says, oh, I'm sorry, guys, but the tournament's over. Uh, you can't fight anymore. And, of course, Mr. Satan starts blabbing on about, you know, how they're too weak. And uh, Bulma and the others realize that, the, that Goku, Gohan, and Vegeta are back. They completely forgot about Curl and Piccolo, but never mind. Um, and um, Vegeta says, it's time, Kakarot. Time for you to fight me. And Goku's like, there's no time. Uh, there's no time for us to fight. Uh, Vegeta makes time by putting his hand right in front of Goku and beginning to fire a blast. The blast is so powerful and so fast that Goku can't really get enough leverage to fully block it when he's trying to, kind of, he's trying to keep it from hitting, hitting uh, people behind him. But because of, because of the lack of leverage, it kind of glances off and blows Goku away. And because there were uh, the stadium crowd was behind Goku, as a result, it kills about one to two hundred people in a single shot and flies all the way into the city. And um, every everybody from you know the bystanders to Mr. Satan and the announcer to the main characters are all utterly shocked. They are utterly just aghast that they saw so many people die, and it was Vegeta's fault. Um, and Vegeta, Majin Vegeta. He's just smiling the entire time. His heads are his head is bulging with uh, veins. In fact, he has veins and his muscles are bigger. He's just looking so smug, like a roided psycho. Goku's trying to say, like, did, did you do that on purpose, or was that Bobby's orders? And um, Vegeta, to, to kind of prove his point, uh, uh, puts his arm off to the side and blasts into the tournament stand again, <laughs> killing even more people. And this is particularly harrowing because it was right next to Boma and the others. And by this point, the entire tournament is freaking, and everybody's just beginning to evacuate. Um, Android 18 is realizing that you know she's seen Vegeta like this before, but never this seemingly insane. Gohan's aghast. Kaioshin's aghast. Bobby's just laughing his ass off. Uh, and at this point, Goku is incredibly pissed. Like, he, he can barely contain himself. He's so upset. And Vegeta has the smuggest look on his face. <laughs> Which is the most awesome book ever. And you can tell he's evil because he has guy liner. He does indeed. Yeah, he looks like that guy from the Dark Knight, the mayor. Like he just has like 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 just these this this, this pissant smile, which is it's I love it, honestly. Smug as hell. Um and uh Gohan checks like, like Vegeta stop and Vegeta says, This is not concern you boy. This concerns me and your circus clown of a father. And Goku's like, huh, Circus Clown, that's that's a new one. And he becomes Super Saiyan, and Goku's pissed at this point. Um, Kaioshin says, no, you will not fight him. Um, but uh, Vegeta maintains, you don't understand, this fight, this, this, has been, this has been a long time coming. I've been waiting years for this, and we're going to sell this right now. Nothing else is important. But Kaioshin, he, he protests, saying, what is wrong with you people? Why, why don't you understand? Don't you know that the, the fate of the universe is at stake? That takes presence over this meaningless fight. And at this point, Vegeta just he, just, he just freaks out saying, meaningless? What do you know about meaningless? And um, he said, there's a really good dialogue here where he starts, he starts going on about um, 
being, being ruled by Frieza and watching the Saiyan race, uh, you know, like, like disintegrate essentially. He's like, like watch, watch your race fall by the, by, 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 to a handful. And then, tell me what has more me than your own strength. I'm the same prince. I'm royalty. He's nothing but a goddamn joke. And I've had to watch him surpass me again and again and again. He's even saved my life as though I were a child. I can't take it anymore. I can't stand it. And this entire time, Goku's actually listening for once and uh, says, all right, fine. Bobbity, transport us to where there's no more people that can get hurt. If you grant me that, then I'll fight Vegeta. So Gohan's like, Dad, no, this is a trap. And Kaioshin uh, resigns saying, you know what? If that's why you're going to play this, then I'm going to have to stop you. He stands right in front of Vegeta, holding his arms out. Goku kind of shrugs and says, all right. And puts his arm in front of Kaioshin. This shocks Gohan. And this shocks even even Majin Vegeta. He's even taken back by Goku's apparent... uh, Lack, lack of tolerance. And Goku, to press this point, starts glowing his hand as though he were to blast into smithereens as though he were Kabito. So Kaioshin, you know, responds, all right, I know I can't stop you, so fine, do whatever you want. Um, Goku's like, I'm sorry. So Babidi just is pissing himself, he's laughing so much, and transports them to, uh, um, I'm kind of confused, I, th- I think it's back to the ship, but it's right outside, and I don't see the ship, but whatever. Um, basically, no. yeah, basically like a little desert area. Those random nebulous Dragon Ball Mountain areas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, Dragon Ball Earth is apparently not very, you know, cultured. It's just like a couple of cities brought out between mountains and oceans. Every every city has a desert, but um, so they're 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 brought back there, and um, Kaioshin's like, okay, here's the plan, you guys. While you two are having this bull fight. Gohan and I will actually stop Babidi and Doboro from catching Majin Buu. So we'll be getting this stuff done. You guys do whatever you want. But we'll have to hurry before Vegeta inflicts more damage on you. Babidi, who's watching this entire time, says, Oh, ho, ho, no, you don't. <laughs> Private Vegeta, attention to orders. Destroy Kaioshin. And we actually hear what uh, Babidi's spells are like in Vegeta's head because you hear this, this hideous-sounding voice just screaming to his skull, Kill him! And, like, Vegeta... It's just in utter torment because he's trying not to. Uh, he's 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 trying to uh, re- resist Bobby's orders and just you know do whatever he wants. And the entire time, it's like Bobby's like kill him, Vegeta, kill him, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, by this point, the, the M on his forehead is just glowing red. And Vegeta says, "I will not. Your business with Kaioshin is not my concern. All I care about is fighting Kakarot." And um. But, but he keeps on pressing Vegeta, and Vegeta starts saying, look, man, I, I don't know what to I already told you no. I'm not doing that. Uh, and uh, the more and more Babidi tries to get Vegeta under control, the more and more uh, Vegeta refuses, and, and the less control he actually is. And um, well, Vegeta's most iconic line in the series uh, happens here when he, he just he just wrestled to the floor in utter agony of Babidi's uh, control, that he just stands up and just bursts with energy, saying... That's it. You will. Not, I will not listen to you any longer. You may own my mind, body, and soul, but there's one thing I say: I'll always keeps his pride. And you know, he just exercises the Bobbity demons from his body, and <laughs> Bobbity and uh, Debora are particularly uh, surprised. But Debora's like, ah, it doesn't matter. We'll just kill Kaioshin and the, the kid. So the the ground opens up for them to get into the final level. Kaioshin, Gohan, that is. And uh, Goku gives Gohan the last two cents of beans he got from Korn earlier in the day. Gohan's like, Dad, listen, I'm sorry this, this day with you coming back turned out like this. <laughs> this really sucks. 
And Goku's like, don't worry about it. Just remember, Gohan, as long as you get angry and fight like you did against Cell, no one can beat you. No one. Remember that. So Gohan and Kaioshin jump into the ground, and so Goku turns his attention to Vegeta and says, the more damage you inflict on me, the more energy is given to Majin Buu. So, be honest here, I'm going to end this quick. And Vegeta's like, oh, listen to the dead man. I'm sure you, I hope you know how to use your body for all the time you've been dead. This kind of ticks off Goku, so he powers up and clearly goes into a Super Saiyan 2 because there's lightning everywhere. And uh, there's a slight difference in his hairstyle. Vegeta's like, oh, that's nice. You're stronger than your son was against Cell. And he, too, powers up into Super Saiyan 2. Goku is surprised by this and says, okay, this isn't going to take as long as I thought. And Vegeta's like, that's right. This is our fate. Our destiny. Now let's begin. I'll kill you. Even though he's already dead. Who said he'll re-kill him? Yeah. <laughs> he hates him so much he'll kill him twice. But that's just, that is where we're going to leave off. Um, obviously, there is a big uh, turn of events in the fact that, hey, Vegeta kind of went crazy. And um, we have a, we have two plots on our hands. We have Gohan and Kaioshin trying to get the job done, but we also have the legendary, much-awaited rematch between Go- Son Goku and Vegeta. Jesse, I'm pointing my finger in your direction. What were you thinking about these episodes? Oh, it's bananas. <laughs> oh, it's- Dude, I was watching these, like, uh, at the edge of my seat. Especially, well, I was watching these uh, perked up in my seat until Vegeta just went nuts and then it was like oh oh wow this i've been waiting for this so much going on here like uh mm. well for one just the i mean you could say that vegeta goku is the b plot but the a plot itself is interesting i mean you you ultimately have uh goku saying okay i'll stay here i'll deal with this gohan you you deal with the problem at hand you Bobby and majin Buu. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of he kind of passes the torch along to solving the problem to his son. And like I said, I really do like Bobby in that he's a very different villain than we've seen before. He's out for revenge uh, for his father. Right. He's kind of single-minded in that instance. He's a lot more personal than like Frieza was, or even Cell. Frieza had very grand schemes. Cell was just trying to better himself, you know, legitimately better himself. And it's it's a good change of pace. Uh, as goofy as he is, and I like that he's kind of fallible. He's goofy, and he he even kind of kind of worries in some instances in these episodes. He doesn't you know he doesn't know for certain that he's gonna he, he's gonna succeed here. Mm-hmm. And seeing all this come together, like you know, in the pinnacle of the uh, the saga here, I, I'm still digging it I'm really really well. Like uh, I, you know, I'm waiting for it to go bad basically. <laughs> so I, you know, I'm keep holding my breath, like man, I, you know, these episodes keep getting better and better so far, and yeah, stuff with the the tournament is kind of long in the tooth now, because right. I, once the main players are off the table, it does just essentially become Hercule bragging for an episode, time after time. But I mean, they they do kind of bring it back to relevance with all the characters seeing Vegeta basically massacre people. <laughs> which, which I like that Boma passes out. Like she, she faints at this, and she says she can't believe it. So you do get the idea that she's affected him, and that she's made him a, a little better than he used to be. And that at some point, she's seen him do good and be a better person than he has before. So it's not just like 
you're not left wondering why you know why is she with this guy who killed all her friends. Like you, you get you get the impression that there's some relationship actually there. Well, yeah, it's interesting because uh, we talked earlier about how Vegeta seemed to have a taken a fatherly you know fatherly role with Trunks' development, and the fact that he's lived with he's pretty much been with Bulma for the past like decade after the Frieza arc. So you know whether they love each other or not, maybe they might, maybe they're not, they might not. Like it, uh, it is good to see Bulma's specific reaction to Vegeta, you know, killing people again. Especially, I mean, I love that moment where he does it right in front of them, uh, and it's just, it really is shocking, um, and it speaks to a lot of, like, the character development. This is pretty much, like, the big uh, Vegeta character-based moments that I think has been intermittently hinted at throughout this podcast, uh, in that, like, uh, pretty much his whole character has been kind of leading to this moment, because ever since he be- he was beaten by Goku in the Saiyan arc, that's kind of been driving his mind, you know, his goals. Yeah, he got distracted by Frieza going for the Dragon Balls, and then there was the Android arc, but like, intermittently he said, like, I always want to, you know, surpass Goku. That was his, uh, you know, in the movies he says, no one kills Kakarot but me. Yeah, his, go- his goal hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's good because, like, it's character consistency, and I really do like the fact that, like, you know, the whole fight with Bobby's mage and stuff, it, it's fun to see the Z fighters just, you know, lay, lay waste to them, but to a character like Vegeta, he wouldn't really enjoy that, and it's nice to see him basically say, this plot sucks. <laughs> Let's get back to, like, the A plot of like, you and me fighting, you know, Kakarot, and it's really entertaining. Um, I think one, one of the, this is probably one of the most popular uh, eras, or this, this these episodes are probably one of the most notable and famous bits in Dragon Ball Z because Majin, I remember Majin Vegeta was a thing before, like, well before I even saw it, like, because I just heard that he was, like, the sickest mofo, you know, in the saga, and it's, he's, he's not really that different. He's, he's, he's actually, that's actually exactly the same, although he is obviously evil again, but, like, uh, his character's not changed. I like that he, you know, this light in the show... It's kind of calling back to the beginning where Vegeta's a threat again. He's a very viable threat, and he's also really, really short in these episodes. I don't know if that's changed, but really? a few of the scenes of him and Goku, it's like, wow, they, they're really they're really showing his, his you know his height, which I think is kind of telling considering considering you know his dialogue here about being feeling inferior to Kakarot. <laughs> well, see, I, I thought that like he's actually grown uh, not a lot taller, but like. Uh, uh, it's it's hard to see him be the same character that he was when he started out, where he was like three feet tall. But uh, yeah, he obviously is shorter than Goku. But like, I thought that he's actually a bit—he looked a bit bigger. But that could be just because in Majin Vegeta form, he does look beefier. Look beefier. Well, yeah, and and throughout the series, I have no doubt that that the scaling has been off at some points. Yeah, probably. <laughs> the few flashbacks we see to the Saiyan saga here, the animation looks spectacularly better. Oh, yeah, I think it's been a bit when they're fight later on, but, like, they do flashback to, like, the Saiyan arc where, like, you compare this to that, and it's, like, night and day. Well, even even before that, just uh, particularly when Majin Vegeta appears, I noticed that, yeah, the, the art, the artwork just got, oh, the yeah. animation got amazing. Like, it just, it hit me that, wow, this is really, really well animated. Just the detail, the movement, uh, especially his, like, transformation with all the red lightning. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought it was, like, grade A animation at this point. Well, yeah, it's interesting because, like, by this point, we're, we're at least, like, around 1995 and, and like, the original series airing, uh, probably 94 in the manga, but, like, we've seen the development of the artwork. I mean, I'm actually looking at the artwork right now, and, like, uh, I think generally, if you look at the manga, like, Toriyama's 
Total has past his peak in terms of the artwork, but, like, Majin Vegeta has really intense panels. Um, and, like, in the anime, that entire episode where he uh, attacks the uh, tournament by Sanders and, you know, Goku agrees to fight with him, that animation was just perfect, I thought. Like, especially, again, I love that look he gives after he, he blasts uh, the tournament characters the second time. And he just, like, slowly, as his hair is waving, just smugly grins at Goku. And Goku's just seething. It's so good. <laughs> it's so awesome. I noticed when everybody's trying to evacuate, which um, that may be later in the last few episodes, everybody's trying to evacuate in the crowd scene. Everybody's very detailed in that. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's been that way for the, the remainder of this, of, or it's been that way for the preceding episodes of the saga, but yeah, this episode really makes it stand out how good it is. Uh, I do wonder if if it was a conscious a conscious thing to have Trunks absent from seeing his father do this. Oh, you know what? I never really thought about that. Because uh, Goten and Trunks are trying to fly to the battle. Um, I, for, I don't know what the hell they're trying to do in these episodes. It's like they're flying around. They're joking about what's a wizard. They go and they pee on a rock. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like I forget about them. They're, they're way out there. But it seems like they're trying to get them out of the way because so, they don't want Trunks to – I guess that's maybe something they didn't want to have to deal with. Maybe. I mean, unless I'm wrong, unless I see it in the future. But, yeah, right now, I, I could imagine that for Trunks, that would be something that would be very, very hard to uh, to view. I won't, say, I won't say anything about Trunks and Maja Vegeta, but I will say that uh, I think it's because, like, I don't know if they were taken out specifically so he wouldn't see his father commit mass genocide. But uh, do you know that, like, they do definitely serve as comic relief? So maybe, they, like, their presence would kind of, like, you know, hamper upon the very serious nature of the arc. I, did, there, I think there's one line where Chi-Chi and Bomber are like, oh my god, we're Trunks and Goten in that area where he blasted. Now, I mean, they weren't, but like, uh, I think that, that was a line at one point, uh, which was horrifying. <laughs> um, I do want to go back to that, that scene uh, specifically where Vegeta's at the tournament level and he's killing people. Um, I love when Kaioshin says, who cares about this? Don't you want to fight Majin Buu or Babidi or whatever? And Vegeta just has this, like, dissertation of, like, you know, just his, his thought process and, like, just really, I mean, like, he has, I think in this, this, all these episodes, his dialogue is, is terrific. And this is the Funimation that we're watching. Like, the dialogue is really, really good. You have the whole, like, you know, uh, mind, body, and soul, but you can't have my pride line, which is from the original manga text. But, like, just the whole line, like, you know, spend your life ruled by another, watch your race dwindle to a handful, and then... Tell me what means more than your own strength. I mean, that's a great line. That's that's. I, I would almost say, I would almost dare say that's almost Shakespearean because it's such like a. I mean, he is an evil bastard right now, but he's not. You do understand him, and he's not totally, completely unsympathetic. You know, in terms of one's own agency, and I think that like to contrast it against Goku. I mean, Goku didn't do anything wrong, but like, like, like he he paints Goku as the bad guy, <laughs> which is a, kind of funny, and um. You see where his, where his thought processes led him to. Mm-hmm. And later on, like, he's, he's, like he talks about, uh, when he's fighting Goku, he talks about how it was, it was even further accumulation that Gohan beat Sal and it wasn't even him. Which, which was, that was the power that he had attained to his whole life. And it's just, this is really something. I mean, this to me is like some of the pinnacle of, this is the, some of the best DVDs ever been, personally, in terms of like the writing. Because the character, the character drama is at its peak. And it's not like new, Instances. It's just, you know, long-standing character development that naturally uh, just bubbles, into, bubbles to the surface. 
And the fact that, like, these characters are strong, we're at the end of the series, they are so ridiculously strong. I like the fact that, like, they're so strong that most of the villains don't really match up against them. To the point now, they basically start fighting each other. <laughs> that's, again, like, you know, that's, that's not, that's more of a thematic thing than a, uh, a character thing, but, um... Yeah, like, I mean, the, the best bet the villains have at this point is to turn them against each other to to distract them. What do you think about Goku in these episodes, in terms of, like, his response to Vegeta, uh, Vegeta calling him out, any, anything? Any thoughts towards that, or him? That, him? I, I liked it because, you know, we see a side of Goku that almost, he almost... To an extent, pities Vegeta. Yeah, but yeah. At the same time, he does he does realize just how important this is, and that basically to get Vegeta to stop murdering people, he needs to do this. Like, and you kind of get the feeling like he's just resolved himself. Like, okay, I can't I can't put this in the background anymore. I have to deal with this now. Like, yeah, you get the idea that it's something that's been on his mind constantly. Like, he he's never forgotten about Vegeta. He was never forgotten about having to fight, fight him. Well, it's funny because, like, you know, uh, whenever Vegeta says, you know, come on, Kaker, we, we promise to fight, fight me. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, <laughs> lives are on the line now. This, this is what happens when you don't pay Vegeta any mind. People die. Um, it's really great stuff. And I, I almost like the fact that, like, Gohan kind of gets a shaft in these episodes. He, he's, he is kind of bitched out. Um, I mean, the fight with him and Devoro, it, it wasn't, like, awesome. There were some nice animation moments, but, like, uh, you know, it was it was basically what Vegeta said, like, you know, a waste of time. But it, it did carry a purpose, and I like the fact that Gohan kind of, like, he's not, he's clearly not, like, the badass he was when he was a Super Saiyan 2 against Cell, but he is sort of, like, in the, he's still in the, in the savior mode where he's dealing with the more important aspects while Goku and Vegeta have their, their bit. Like, I like that turn of acting, or not, not acting, but uh, that, that turn of writing where these characters are, you know, it's not like freaking... Piccolo or Tien or the other guys. He's I mean, he ultimately he's still playing the superhero. He's still doing the A plot. He's still saving the world. Meanwhile, Goku has the much more interesting aspect of the storyline right now. Much more interesting. <laughs> oh man, like uh, you know this this fight right here, and it's a we'll talk about it. It's it's an amazing fight. It, uh, it, it ranks up there with the best of them. Oh uh, my my favorite scene is when they. They both punch each other at the same time. Like, and you, you see that a lot in animation, and it's just a trope in general. But I thought it was really well done, mainly because of you know how evenly the characters are matched, and basically how, how long we've waited for this. Yes, that, that just kind of transcends, you know, going oh god, this whole thing again, because you really do feel the impact of it. Well, yeah, because like it's, it's not only like Goku uh, versus Vegeta again, but they're both Super Saiyans, and they're both Super Saiyan. Excuse me. They're both Super Saiyan twos by this point. Um, you know, I, I might as well bring that up. Or sorry, Super Saiyans fight at this point in the series. Say again. Have we seen two Super Saiyans fight each other at this point in the series? Um, not really. I mean, like we saw some Goku and Gohan train in the Room of Spirit and Time, but like fight, as like you know, fighting to kill each other. No, <laughs> nothing this awesome. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I was thinking, uh, we've seen them train, but I don't know if we've ever seen any go go at each other. Well, it's also going to, like, just, like, one final bit on these episodes. Um, there's a bit of, there's a bit of fan uh, confusion as to, like, uh, if Vegeta could turn Super Saiyan 2 before this, or if becoming Majin Vegeta made him go Super Saiyan 2, because that made him stronger. What did you get out of that before I, before I actually give you the answer? <laughs> <laughs> now... Now later in the, in the other episode is when we discuss him letting him letting Bobbity take control, right? Yeah, that's later. Okay, 
not knowing that, I would say that I don't know because it's it's not very clear. Like Super Saiyan Two isn't a very clear transformation. They don't label it, mm-hmm. but I I was kind of under the impression that yeah that like this helped him get over that hurdle essentially. Okay, like I, I think that like because uh, he keeps on referencing the fact that he's stronger than Gohan, so he might be able to do it. But it's a weird thing because later on he says that you know once he saw Goku do it, he realized he wasn't strong enough. It, it is actually very unclear, but I'm under the impression that he could do it beforehand. But uh, it's it, it, it just isn't clear. Um, there's also confusion about the fact that whether Gohan was Super Saiyan two against Deborah, only because you don't see like the like the lightning bolt sparkles when he's fighting him. I don't know why he wouldn't be. It doesn't make any sense for him not to be. Although the fight was so lukewarm that, like, it would make some sense, but it's very odd. Yeah, I, I didn't suppose he was during that fight. Yeah, it's, it's hard to tell, especially now that he's older. What about that? We should probably just get into the rest of the episode to see what happens. The only way is to kill the Supreme Yes, kill him, Vegeta! Objective. That's amusing, Vegeta, but I'm serious. By every fiber in your body, I command you to destroy! <laughs> Kill! Kill the Kai! No! Get out of my head! I already told you! I will not be distracted from this anymore! I won't! It will take more than head games to stop me. You may have invaded my mind and my body, but there's one thing a Saiyan always keeps. His Are you ready to move on? Yeah, I am. So we all know who Robin is, right? Short pants, bad, holy insert object gear jokes, kind of weird relationship with an older man who dresses like a bat. I know, right? So not what Batman needs. Thing is, if that's your impression of Robin, then you don't know Robin. I'm Tom Panneries, and for most of my comic collecting career, I've been a Teen Titans fan. Moreover, I've been a huge fan of Robin and Nightwing, so I've decided to take a look at those who have worn the costume in a podcast miniseries called Taking Flight. Taking Flight focuses on the life and career of Dick Grayson as he evolved from Boy Wonder to Nightwing, 
I'll take a look at his origin story, his time with the Teen Titans, and his evolution into Nightwing. Along the way, I'll also look at Jason Todd and Tim Drake, stopping right after Zero Hour when Dick left the Titans behind. Episodes will come out just about every week at takingflight.podomatic.com, and you can find show notes at popcultureaffidavit.com. Join me as I take a look at Comic Dumb's most famous sidekick, who is a vital part of Batman's mythos. All I ask is a tall ship and a star to steer by. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. Engineering division ready, as always. Your mind to my mind. Laddie, don't you think you should rephrase that? Your thoughts to my thoughts. I'll either choke me or cut my throat, make up your mind. Change the laws of physics. They must be destroyed. We tried to destroy it once before, Commodore. The result was a wrecked ship and a dead crew. Doctor, you are a sensualist. You bet your pointed ears I am. Live long and prosper. I am the guardian of forever. of forever a continuing look at the star trek universe coming to earth2.net and itunes in may make this blue thing hatch too late we must retreat and quickly uh-huh. we've no choice run when i signal wait we've got to try and stop this thing before it hatches and starts hurting people there must be a way i mean you are the supreme kai for goodness sakes yes and unlike you i've seen what boo is capable of and it's more than our present state can handle This is a time for strategy, Gohan, not blind heroics. We must regroup and wait for a better opportunity. We have to wait. I'm sorry, but I still have to try. Please listen to me, Gohan. We need you alive. But there's people I care about. Gohan! And this time around, I'm not going to just stand by and let them all get hurt. Can be described in the, you know just a few words. Okay. Okay.
An entire episode dedicated to this battle. Um, basically, Super Saiyan 2 Goku versus Super Saiyan 2 Majin Vegeta. And Goku, there's, there's several instances where, where Goku sees that they both are really enjoying it. It's like steps to them. Um, we'll get into like little idiosyncrasies of that a little bit later on. Meanwhile, uh, Gohan and Kaioshin head all the way down to the final stage, where um, Kaioshin says, okay, Gohan, this is it. I'll take on Babadi while you fight Deborah. Babadi's like, you know, oh, Kaioshin, I'm glad you're here, because I'll, re- I'll get revenge on you for killing my father. And um, he says, oh, by the way, Deborah, you can, you, can, you can take this guy, right? You can? He says, oh, sure, I've fought him before. He'll be no problem at all. And Gohan's a little self-conscious and hesitant of what Vegeta said, and says, um, okay, it's up to me. I've got to be able to defeat these guys. And he remembers what Goku told him, but he's having a hard time getting angry actively and becoming the kid that he used to be. Uh, so they kind of transport the, they're right in front of the big boo cocoon, and they say, okay, um, let's not destroy the ship, because we wouldn't want to disturb Majin Buu before he, he, and then the, the big, um, the little, like, radar, uh, penny thing that, the, the clock that Babidi has to measure Majin Buu's energy starts going off, and, um, <laughs> almost immediately, it goes right to the top, and, uh, Babidi says, he, he, he's a fool. Majin Buu is at full power! Kaioshin goes, what? And, um, and, uh, he says, no, wait, it's too soon! It's way too soon! How could they deal this much damage already? Gohan, you know, kind of calms down and, like, thinks about it and says, alright, that's, that's true. Dad must be fighting at a level above a regular Super Saiyan. That's, so much Vegeta. They must be doing twice as much damage. Which is true because they're beating the hell out of each other. Um, Kaioshin's just like utterly like aghast and he's like, we, we gotta get out of here. We gotta leave. At this point, uh, we see Chunks and Goten flying towards the battle and, uh, they both say, can you, can you feel that? We, I feel one familiar power over here, but we feel another familiar power ahead of us. And they don't know what's going on, so they just kind of fly forward. Um, Goku and Vegeta by this point are really ragged. They're, they're broken, they're bloody, they're, they're, uh, bruised up. And, um, Goku remarks, you know, I trained so hard at another world, I thought there was no one who would beat me. But you managed to train, you must have managed to train even harder than I did, because we are dead even. And Vegeta says, no, I trained against my limits and beyond, but you have an undeniable talent which makes up for that. There's no way I could surpass, surpass you, which is why I secretly made my, uh, my, my decision. And all but admits that, like, he, uh, he had allowed Babadi to take control of him. And explains that, like, you know, the people at the tournament realized that Spopo Vijayama were much stronger than they had been previously. So that, I knew that's what the, that was the way to beat you. When you fought Yakan, I realized that you had a power which I could never attain. And then Goku says, I don't understand you. You're not the kind of person that people control you. You hated Frieza. Why are you doing this? And Vegeta's like, because I, I, I wanted to be the way I used to be, the way I was before. I was cold-blooded and ruthless, the perfect Saiyan fighter. I live by my strength alone. But this planet, all that time, you, all that influence is making me softer, less aggressive. One day I woke up and realized that I had a family. I settled down. I even liked living on Earth. That's why I need to be evil again. And thanks to Babidi, I am. And Goku says, are you sure? Uh, back at the Boo cocoon, Big Steam and Smoke are just shooting out from, out from under Boo. And Kaioshin says, we need to leave right now. But Gohan's like, if this is about to hatch, we've got to stop him. We've got to help him. we got to stop him before he starts killing people. And Kaioshin's like, wait, 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 wait. I've seen what this guy does. And he's released, we are dead men. We need to leave now. I said right now. And Gohan's like, no, I can't leave. 
not yet. And Muscle, he's, he's a super saiyan. So Gohan's like, well, I might to try to slow him down. So he goes full power, charging up as, as much as we've ever seen him in, at, at this age. And even Deborah and Bobby are like, oh, whoa. Uh, Gohan uh, charges up a Kamehameha and fires point blank at the Buu Cocoon. Deborah just throws Bobby out of the way, and he fires the cocoon, which doesn't really seem to have done, have any damage done to it. Gohan keeps on firing and firing and firing. At one point, the, the cocoon just shoots up in the sky and just lands on the ground and rolls over. And then it opens! Kairos is aghast, and Bobby is excited and has a little Bobby boner, I imagine. And, um, and then uh, as it opens, there's really nothing inside. It's just an empty shell. Just a little bit of smoke, and it's completely empty. There's nobody inside. Uh, Dabora and Bobby are a bit confused. Uh, and then Kaioshin starts laughing and says, Oh my god, it's a miracle! Ha ha ha, Babadi, you were careless, foolish, arrogant. All that energy, Boo being dormant after all those years, it must have destroyed him! Come on, Gohan! Like your father said, you can finish this! Let's take out Deborah and Babadi and end this once and for all! <laughs> but Gohan the entire time is just kind of like looking at the ground saying, Ah, uh, I'm sorry, but... I, I'm sensing a monstrous energy. This is really bad. So he looks right up in the sky, and there's a big sort of like like billowing pink smoke in this in the clouds. It kind of circles upon itself. Kaioshin's is like, no, it can't be. And Babadi, who's never actually seen Boo, says, what is this? And then um, the circle of smoke kind of forms upon itself, and it uh, forms Majin Boo. Majin Boo has truly been created. And uh, to describe Bajan Boo for the listeners, he is a big old fat little thing. He is a <laughs> big and fat, pretty much a, a tubby thing. Marshmallow man. Exactly. Like he, uh, he has, these, he, he kind of has this, like really like like a stereotypically Asian look to his face. No nose, uh, holes on his head and, and arms. He's like <laughs> baking muffins or uh, muffins mittens. Uh, this little kitty, like you know, a cape made out of almost a purple towel. Uh, a vest, the M symbol on, on a belt, and parachute pants. Awesome. <laughs> this is one of the silliest, the weirdest designs we've ever seen from Toriyama. And um, Babidi and Dabura are kind of staring at him. Dabura's like, is that Majin Buu? And uh, Babidi says, I actually don't know. Only that cursed Kai, I've seen him before. So Gohan asks, is that Buu? And he says, yes. I'll never forget his terrible face. And um, Buu just kind of like just goes around and starts laughing. Um, back at the fight between Goku and Vegeta, uh, Goku says, Wait, Vegeta, stop! I sent a chi, a monstrous chi! Boo wasn't for Woken! And then Vegeta says, Ha 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 ha! Is that him? He's not much to speak of, is he? I should have known. We are the most powerful fighters in the universe! And even Gohan's like, I don't know if this is hopeless. I mean, he is powerful, but I think I can defeat him if I tried it, tried at it. And, um, throughout this entire time, Boo's just been laughing and laughing and just basically being very, very innocent and, you know, juvenile and infant-like even. But, uh, is he truly the monster that Kairos has been fearing? We shall find out next month. So, Jesse, a bit more plot development than, um, character development in these episodes. What were you thinking about this? This was an interesting twist. <laughs> Um, once, uh, once the characters started getting cocky, once, uh, Gohan was kind of relieved, it's like, oh yeah, this isn't going to go how you, how you expect. <laughs> and, then, and then it really doesn't go like you expect. 
Yeah, it's uh, unsettling, and it, it, it comes off like, oh, obviously this, you know, cutesy little cream puff of a character, but he's still shown to be extremely powerful. So I kind of don't know where it's going to go at this point. Right. But the real development, I think, comes from Vegeta. And his speech here really, really pretty much changes the way you look at the character. Yeah, well, you can kind of say, oh, well, Vegeta's just going through a midlife crisis. But yeah. it's it's really telling that he's happy. And he, he even says, you know, I, I've even started to enjoy their company. So like, he, he's basically, he has a family. He, he likes the family. He likes living on Earth. He likes being a good guy. He just doesn't like admitting that to himself. And he, he wants to be like he wants to was. He wants to be more evil than he can be. And that, that says a lot. That's, that's pretty deep, considering, you know, we, we haven't really gotten a lot of Vegeta character development in a long time. It's really interesting to hear a character that used to be evil that, that become good saying, I wish I were evil again. <laughs> and, like, it's, it's a legitimate struggle. Like, he, he kind of felt that, like, he couldn't do it on his own, which he needed somebody to kind of make him that way. And, um, he hates. Yeah, he has. No. Okay. Let's say, yeah, he has a conscience now, and he, he can't just turn it off. It's, I think it's really cool. I, and I think that, like, it's honestly the character, because you can't say that, like, oh, he never liked anybody the entire time. Because he, he did show some flashes of camaraderie, but there were times where he's just a jerk. And, like, it was almost, I want to say inconsistent, but he, he was sorry to soften his edges, you know, throughout the last couple of arcs. Yeah, and and looking back, you can kind of say you can kind of see where it could be inferred that oh yeah, you know he's putting on an act more than anything, or he he's not willing to admit himself that he he likes the company and he he has friends and he has a family, you know, and it seems like at this point he he's admitted that and he doesn't like it. He he wants to be what he once was. Now this is this is actually a trope that like repeats itself all throughout the entire history of Dragon Ball because I'm, I may have mentioned this before, but Honestly, the overwhelming majority of the characters all started out as like enemies <laughs> or like or rivals or bad guys or whatever. Um, not uh, Master Roshi didn't. He was always a fun-loving guy. Tiji didn't, obviously. But like, I mean, um, Yamcha used to be Goku's rival. Krillin used to be Goku's rival when they were training with Master Roshi. They started off as uh, training rivals in the same martial arts school. Uh, let's see, Piccolo obviously is a, is a big factor. Tien, Tien was a was a was a big rival like throughout the entire uh, second tournament. Um, uh, you know you have uh, who else? Android 18 is another example. Um, I think Vegeta is probably the strongest example because he was out of all those characters, he was clearly the most evil out of all the collection of characters that has, that has gone to the good side. And it's interesting for Toriyama to kind of deal with this trope again and really explore it because. He's having a character, like, you know, not just change your mind and kind of be lazy, but, like, you know, really saying, I, I don't want to be this way. I don't, I don't like that I'm enjoying being a good guy. I, I, Chelsea was saying before that, like, there's nothing else like Dragon Ball Z or Dragon Ball out there. And I got to agree in some respects because can you think of any other character in any other franchise that's gone from evil to good that wished they were evil or tried to be evil again? It's really unique. I can only think of one, and uh, that's the character Spike from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I get a lot of parallels between him and Vegeta. But okay. ultimately, that is still a very, very unique idea. Like, right. you, you don't see that often. And, I mean, I think it, it kind of rings true because, like, everybody has a – well, most people, unless you're a sociopath, you have a conscience. Right, yeah. And that leads you to do things that are not always, you know – 
the easiest. You know, you, you walk by somebody who's hurt, it's easier for you just to go past them. But if you do, there's a nagging feeling, you know. Yes. And you're going to go, ah, all right. So imagine a character to develop that. Imagine somebody who doesn't know how to deal with that and is not used to it. It's got to be completely alien to them. Someone like Vegeta who, who's never felt that way before. He's got to just want to, he's got to want to get rid of that. It certainly started with, with, uh, Trunks, with future Trunks' arrival, because obviously they kind of developed their, their, what, what little bond they had, and once Trunks died, we saw Vegeta go crazy and bid Trunks farewell once Trunks went back to his timeline, so it was definitely as strongest, as, at its strongest then, and now that he's kind of raised present day Trunks, you see, you, you see the development, and like, I think it's just really cool the fact that like the character says he wants to be evil, but he can't make himself evil. That's, it's it's all it's also refreshingly honest for the character as well. I mean, um, it's some of the best development we've seen since his first death at the hands of Frieza. It's really really nice. I would like to make. Were there any? You said you mentioned the point where uh, Goku and Vegeta punch each other when they were fighting. Um, I don't know if you noticed this, but like you remember earlier when Chunks and Goten were fighting and they punched each other too. Chunks and Goten were in the same positions as Goku and Vegeta, in the same like same spots. That had to be intentional. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that was an accident. Um. One part I really I really enjoyed was uh, when Vegeta somehow uses his powers to like chain Goku to a rock and just like completely taunted the crap out of him. That was great. Yeah, I don't know how it works. Like, right. I was like, okay, he's got like you know, it's That's almost kind of like a disc in that he can form energy into a shape. Yes. But of course, the payoff to that is Goku smacking him with the side of a boulder. <laughs> That was awesome. I love the whole like dialogue where like, like you know, didn't think it was gonna be going to be this easy. Goku's like, I, I never said I would win easy. Ha! You're not gonna be winning out at all. I mean, he smacks him. <laughs> he smacks him like 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 a pimp. And then like Goku like 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 clearly doesn't appreciate being smacked. And and he's like, what now, bitch? What? That was that was incredible. That was really really fun. Uh, yeah, overall fight was indefinitely more. Not necessarily enjoyable, but just more engaging than, you know, than Bobby and Gohan. It was just, we, we've been waiting on this so long that it just, nothing else could compete, really. I, I also think it was actually very well animated, because I, as, it, as it progresses, it gets really, really violent. Uh, there's, there's a, in the episode where Gohan tries to, uh, I think it's, no, it's, I think it's the one where, like, uh, they say that Boo is uh, full of power. Uh, there's a point where Goku and Vegeta are just killing each other. I mean, Vegeta delivers a knee at the blow to a, a knee attack to Goku and Goku like he's drooling his eyes are blank and Vegeta like you know does a suplex on him it's 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 it's, it's actually incredibly violent but like you know it really works for these characters it's not like you know just mindless violence although someone could say it could be but um no I think that like I, I, it's funny because like the big thing is that like uh in the manga the fight's pretty much cut in half. I mean, like a lot. It's, it goes like my synopsis. Um, they fight for a couple of pages. Cut to Gohan and Kaioshin. Boo's at full power. They come back to Goku and Vegeta, and they start talking. That's all within like a chapter and a half, or two chapters, or maybe maybe not even that. Whereas with this, like it was at least three three or four episodes. I think it's better done in the anime. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's a lot more. Uh, concentration. You see way more of the fight. Like that whole, pretty much that entire episode where, like, you know, Vegeta slapped Goku was filler. But, you know, it was filler that, that worked well for the characters. You know, Vegeta says, like, again, like, more, more great dialogue, you know, like, every breath you make is an insult to my honor. <laughs> you suck, Goku. Insults. It goes back to what I was saying. You know, Vegeta has the best insults. 
he does. This is again, like this really is some of the best dialogue I think the series has ever had. This is this is a high point of the series, I believe. Um, uh, Majin Buu. Uh, in terms of like design, what are you thinking? Like, you know, obviously it's not Cell or Frieza. And um, I remember I remember you saying at the beginning when we started the podcast that you were somewhat familiar with Boo before. Did you remember this this version of Boo, or were you thinking something or something else down the line? No, I remember this version. Like, uh, I, I remember him being the most different looking character in this uh, most different looking antagonist in the series. Oh yes, yeah, and, which, which I do like. I like the fact that Trauma repeatedly like has his very unique designs. I mean, he doesn't immediately look like a bad guy, but he doesn't look like a necessarily good guy. He just looks freaking weird, and he talks like a Pokemon. And <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit odd. Is that all he says? Is his name? Yeah, he does. He does. We'll, we'll speak later on, but yeah, that's how it starts off. I did like Gohan's bit of crisis of conscience because, like, he was. I like, I like the fact that he was trying to do what he did, what he did once before. It's like one of those things where he said, anybody, anybody can do it once. You have to prove that you can do it again. And I do like the fact that he was trying to power up, trying to be as strong as he was before, really dig deep and try to stop Boo from hatching on his own. I like that bit. I thought that was a really cool characterization. It was a really cool moment. I really like the moment where he powers, goes to full power, so that was kind of cool. Quiet! <laughs> How about it? Shall we commence? Oh. This isn't the time, Vegeta. You'll fight with me, Kakarot. Unless, of course, you'd like more bodies to pile up on your conscience. <laughs> Vegeta, certainly you didn't. <laughs> How sad. I didn't think you were weak enough to be controlled. Be a slave? You mustn't. 
If you fight him here, you will be doing precisely what Babaji wishes. Every injury that Vegeta causes will be sent back to the ship, and Boo will be revived. Tell me, Vegeta. With that stamp on your head, I know Babaji's been giving you orders. Is this one of them? Are you trying to fight me because of him? Or is this the same old story between you and me? Which one? Does it really matter? Not to you, Gohan, but to a warrior it matters greatly. And you know this as well as I do, Kakarot. In a day, you'll be back to the dead, and I will not miss this opportunity. Who are you people? Don't you see the universe matters more than your meaningless squabble? <clears throat> meaningless, huh? huh? What do you know of meaningless? Ah! of your life ruled by another. Watch your race dwindle to a handful. And then, tell me what has more meaning than your own strength. I have in me the blood of a Saiyan prince. He is nothing but a joke. Yet I've had to watch him surpass me in strength. My destiny thrown to the wayside. He's, he's even saved my life as if I were a helpless child. He has stolen my honor. And his debts must be paid. Anything else in these batches that are possessed? I know we kind of got gone a bit expediently in this uh, uh, month's episode, but uh, I think that like we, it's clear that like this is this is some of the best the series has gotten. Again, it's really really been good. You know, I think if we didn't, we would run the risk of repeating ourselves because I think we both agree that these episodes are very good and yes, kind of gushed over just the developments and the fight scenes. Absolutely. No, it's, it's been terrific. Uh, okay, now there's nothing much else to do but to go over the next month's coverage. Uh, okay, so for the manga chapters, the Dragon Ball Z manga chapters, as I can say this, as those are immediately in my hand as my schedule is loading. We shall cover manga chapters 226 through 273. And for the original episodes, Dragon Ball Z, 233 through 237. Uh, and I, like this month, I actually cannot wait to get that coverage because it's going to be heavy. <laughs> uh, so once again, Jesse, Jesse, thank you very much for talking to some awesome DBC content for uh, this month. I have a, a quick story to relate to the, the listeners. I was uh, at the GameStop, the local game store the other day, browsing through their titles, and I come upon Dragon Ball Z Budokai. Oh, yes. Like, oh, yes. Yeah, so I walked it up to the register, and then I got I got so betrayed. <laughs> Turns out it wasn't seven ninety nine with 30% off. The tag was ripped, and it was twenty seven ninety nine. Oh, damn that. Damn that. So defeated. I was like, I'm not, I'm not paying that much for... This was a Wii game, so this was at least a seven-year-old game. Oh, dude. So you almost got the the video game review, folks. Maybe one day. Oh, I, I think we might do a game review soon because there's, there's been somebody kind of like clamoring for it. Uh, let me let me have your address and I'll, and I'll try to send you something. But uh, to be continued on that front, we shall see how that turns out. Uh, but thank you very much for listening, everybody, uh, for this and uh, all the previous episodes and episodes to come. Thank you very much for listening to the next mission. 
We will see you guys next month in continuing the Boo Saga. Take care. Sayonara. And before we close out for the month of May, I shall read the rest of the emails that we didn't have time to read uh, as of this recording yesterday because, hey, Jesse had just come from home from work and I had to go to work. So, uh, you know, because life. But uh, now that I am free of my shift no, for another five hours, I shall read out the rest of the emails. And the first one I shall read is from James Moore. James writes back, says, Hello, my good friends Don and Jesse. It's your old friend, James Moore. I apologize for not emailing in recently. I've been super busy with senior stuff along with and enlisting into the Navy. Congratulations on that. But now that all of that's done, I've had time to catch up on all your recent episodes. As usual, I'm glad to see you guys making an awesome show. And now that I'm all caught up and ready to add to the conversation. First, like many other people watching the fight with Spovich and Videl, I found it to be very gruesome even when I was younger. I can barely watch a fight now. <laughs> Pardon me of all the constant swallowing. I, I'm, uh... Trying to uh, make this a bit easier to edit, so pardon for that. Uh, I can still barely, I can still barely watch it, which means I agree with you that, with all said, how to fight was proving a point that it was something supernatural about him, just unearthly. The fight between Trunks and Goten, I enjoyed much now than I, than I did when I was younger. Watching them basically carry on their father's, father's legacy was something very nice to see again. It shows their rivalry has continued on to their children, who remain to be most mostly best of friends. And at the end of the day, my last comment, when Videl is having the mess beat out of her and Gohan is ready to hop into the ring, it was a great, great, great way to show that these two were just more than good friends, as has already been hinted at, but this is a very good, great way to realize that in a visual show. That's all for now, as usual. Keep up the amazing work. Can't wait for the next episode. P.S. Great April Fool's joke. You guys had me completely fooled that I, that I had downloaded the wrong episode to a different podcast. <laughs> I'll tell you your next episode, your friend James. Thank you very much, James. Um... We'll let you do that April Fool's episode as well. Our next email comes in from Eric Chick. Eric writes, Hey Don or Jesse, it's me, Eric. I just came back from the Church of Goku, and it was not what I was thought, not what I thought it was going in. I thought I was going to load up some pics of the church and send some guys, but it turns out I left my 300 camera, $300 camera at the church. But on the plus side, I did bring my laptop with me and got a game called Dragon Ball Online downloaded, and it's, it's okay, except it was hard getting onto my laptop and getting over here. It's an awesome game, except there's very little English in it. I took a detour to Japan and bought DBZ Heroes, and it's a really hard game. I unlocked SSJ3 Brawly a few days ago, and I'm loving it, what with the new power-ups that they gave him. FYI, this game is non-canon. Of course it is. Now, I'm back in the Oceanside, California. I have a few questions. Number one, who do you think did more damage to Cell? Was Goku using his warp Kamehameha in Cell's face, or was it Vegeta telling Cell to man up and take a final flash head-on? I imagine Goku probably did. One, he was stronger than Vegeta, and two, he blew Cell's head off. <laughs> two, do you think Android 18 was afraid to fight both Trunks and Goten? Because of her thoughts after Mighty Mass used a powerful energy attack. I don't know if 18 was thinking that Trunks and Goten slash Mighty Mass was more powerful than she was. I think that like she thought that like, because they were kids, the fight could have gotten out of control and could have hurt other people. Because that's when she really decided to get serious and like you know ended. Although she was, I think she was fighting serious ahead of time. Um... I, don't, I didn't get the implication that she was afraid for her life, but I do think that, like, I think that the question was whether she could beat them or not at, like, at full power was definitely, there was some doubt in her mind, so, um, possibly, potentially. Number three, shouldn't Bulma and Chi-Chi be able to sense energy all the time after being around Goku and Vegeta? Chi-Chi, you would think so, because she does know how to fight. Bulma's just drinks and is lazy, so I don't know, maybe not. Uh, your models may vary as to whether they should or not. 
Well, I gotta go for now, but my next email will be a bit longer. Until then, peace. Inserts the ghost nap of music. Thank you very much, Eric. Our final email is from Mr. Alex Evangeli, and it's a bit of a long one, but we shall get right into it. Dear Don and Jesse, What's this? Some kind of belated April Fool's joke? Why was an episode of some Dragon Ball podcast in my Moon Prison Power feed? <laughs> Sweet. Seriously, I'm glad you guys put out an April Fool's episode, because I thought that that was going to be all we got for the month. Sorry for being myself last email. My mistake. I meant to edit that out. The news you covered about Gain and Bardock gave me mixed feelings. On the one hand, taken by itself, it sounds interesting, but the way I feel of retconning, I feel wary about retconning the Bardock special. I sort of see it as the same way I see the Star Wars canon. The original manga is the main canon, just as the original movies are the main Star Wars canon. And after you look that, and after that, you can pick and choose what is and what isn't canon based on expanded stuff. As such, one can look at the new material with Gain as the official backstory to the manga, or go to the original Bardock special instead of, or say, the Bardock special is the canon backstory just for the anime, etc., etc. Personally, I'm sticking with the special because it was responsible for creating Bardock in the first place. To answer something you guys were wondering about Chaozu last episode, it's speculated that he's based upon some sort of Eastern depiction of vampires, Chinese, excuse, Chinese, I think, and or a companion to some kind of three-eyed deity of which Tian is obviously a stand-in for. I think that's true. I think, I think that is also the uh, explanation for a character I mentioned uh, in the Dark, Dark, Dark Stalkers game, uh, Heisenko, that Chaozu is supposed to be sort of like, yeah, some sort of like a spiritual vampire. I'm not sure how he is, even even thinking back in Dragon Ball, but um, I, I think that like you're correct in that um, assumption. In response to some of the emails last episode, I think they bring up some interesting points regarding the tournament and its length. I believe one emailer felt the tournament should have gone on longer and not been cut short. As a kid, I sympathize, but then again, I, like many people, was watching Dragon Ball Z before Dragon Ball. Given how, how strong the Z fighters are, inevitably would have made the next rounds and thus battle one another. Given the crowds and the confines in the ring, we'd have seen the characters essentially fight one another whilst holding back or otherwise committing mass collateral damage, which wouldn't be very exciting or rewarding in either scenario. On top of this, when you think of DBZ as a continuation of Dragon Ball, seeing a sixth tournament play out, if you count the Baba tournament and the Cell games, would have probably been redundant. Heck, even the seventh tournament if you include filler, and unlike any of the other tournaments, the fighters wouldn't be able to give it their all. Seeing them fight without being able to go all out would have been interesting for a while, but we already kind of saw this in the Chunks and Goten fight anyway. I agree, that's a fair point, especially considering how powerful they've gotten to this point. Um, it would have been annoying to see a Goku and Vegeta fight, you know, within the confines of the tournament, because obviously they would have either had to, like, go all out and, like, you know, people just run away and they'd probably be disqualified, or they'd have to, like, kind of hold, more likely they would have to hold themselves back and we wouldn't see a real fight, so. I, tournaments are always fun, but they're only as fun as much as the, the characters are able to go all out, and at this point in Dragon Ball, uh, slash DBZ, it really is sort of like, you know, a, uh, restraining order on the characters, or certain characters. Another email brought up an Alex continues... Another emailer brought up the interesting point about DBZ being made into a weekly show, and thus it's best to watch that that way. I think it's an interesting point, but I personally feel the opposite because the weekly anime was based upon a weekly manga, which employed hyper-decompression. To use a comic book term, it was a case of writing for the trade, only taken to the extreme as an arc, or indeed a single fight. It would take multiple trades to complete. With this in mind, I actually think DBZ, and even DBZ Kai, is more frustrating when you get down to the 20-minute installments every week as opposed to the five episodes, two, half, two and a half hours per week, which is what we got when DBZ first aired. At least that's what happened here in the UK. Oh yeah, no, in America we, we had it five days a week as well. 
as a kid, as much as I loved it, I, I got frustrated with something like the Goku versus Frieza fight, which would take over well over two weeks to complete, so I can only imagine how much people had to watch it over the course of months it felt. I think that's why most people complain about DBZ's filler as opposed to not being able to digest it one episode every week instead. That being said, I really do feel a lot of people criticizing the show for its filler need to stop and take, take a step back and understand that filler is simply a fact of life for any anime adapting an ongoing manga. They need to make a show whilst the manga is still a hot property so they can't afford to wait until the manga finishes or gets too far ahead. Equally due to the nature of adapting a manga into animation, the anim anime episodes usually eat up the multiple manga chapters as each manga chapter rarely equates to a 20 minute episode, at least not unless you pad it out with filler material. This inevitable practice was going on long before Dragon Ball had continued and since it ended, so I don't see as much as singling I don't see it see much use for it or singling out DBZ for it. No, that's true. I think that like DBZ, DBZ is a particular case because it is so popular. Um, I know that there's, there's an entire failure arc for Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, I'm wondering if Yu Hakusho had such a thing. I, I mean, several an notable anime s series have filler arcs, I believe. Uh, I heard, I've not seen Naruto, but I know that like Naruto is notorious for having a long filler arc, just so because the point of filler is so the manga can t continue in its originality without getting ahead of the without uh, the anime getting ahead of it, because obviously the the anime covers more space than uh, a written manga. Um, I know that Naruto has had a notorious filler arc. Yu-Gi-Oh did. Um, I don't know if Sailor Moon did or not. Um, I, I, I it may have. I'm not. I really am not sure. Um, gosh. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, DBZ is not the only series with filler, but uh, you know, it is one of the most unforgivable ones in that. I think the kind of filler that it does with the characters kind of just standing around, it it gets to the point where it does defy logic. The the plot just stops at one point, so the characters kind of go. <laughs> <laughs> they, they do that, and like you know, like, the constant coming back to Mr. Satan. I I think that like the need for filler is not necessarily egregious, but the way in which they make filler can be a little annoying. But so, but so, then again, some episodes like filler are very good, like the Goku and Vegeta fight where you see Vegeta chaining Goku to the wall and stuff. So it, it varies from time to time. If an anime has much, Alex continues. <clears throat> If an anime has much or more filler than it has actual episodes that adapt a source material, then it's fair game. But that was not seriously the case with Dragon Ball. Additionally, in this day and age where we have only online episodes and box, DV box set DVDs, I don't see what there is to complain about since it's all too easy to just skip the filler if you want to. Heck, DBZ fans are particularly privileged since we have an entire second adaptation in Kai which exists specifically to cut out the filler. We literally don't even need to press fast forward on our DVD, so it's really pointless. So it's really pointless for fans or non-fans to continue complaining about the filler in the franchise. Um, yeah, I mean, like again, ten years ago, before the DVD market really, you know, shot up, I think that like you could very much complain about it. I don't, I don't see much people complaining now, although I'm not much into the younger DVD fandom, so I wouldn't really know that. But yo, yeah, yeah, as we're watching it now. I, I mean, like, you know, for the purposes of the podcast, Jesse and I can't exactly skip ahead. We kind of have to watch it from start to finish. But um, I think you know, these days, no, people don't have a right to complain because they can just skip it or, you know, tape it and skip it. Sorry, mini ran over. Please understand I wasn't having a go at you guys, of course. Since I was doing a retrospective, you obviously have to watch everything as it is in order to review it. And thus critici critici criticizing the pacing and filler is perfectly justified. A few questions, if I may. Number one. Have you guys seen the designs for the female Super Saiyan in Dragon Ball Heroes? If so, what do you think about it? I'm not sure if Jesse has. Uh, I have. It looks cool. You know, it's pretty much what you would imagine a female Super Saiyan would look like. 
Number two, have you guys seen the new intro and outro themes for Dragon Ball Kai? If so, what do you think about them? Personally, I like them, but nothing beats Dragon Soul. Number three, will you guys be using either the new themes in either of the episodes? Or any of the incoming episodes? Uh, I've seen... I'm pretty sure I've seen the opening theme to the next season of Dragon Ball Kai. And I'll probably, I'll probably use it uh, sooner or later. Because the last few episodes, I've just been using uh, themes from Dragon Ball Z Ultimate 22. Which I like. And I think it fit the episodes. But uh, I've been kind of mining that well a little bit. So I'll probably get to the new, new Dragon Ball Kai theme sooner or later. Sooner rather than later. Number four. We saw Piccolo be deferential towards the Supreme Kai. But do you think that the Supreme Kai was sincerely stronger than Piccolo and could have beaten him? Personally, given how surprised he was by the Saiyan's power, I very much doubt it. After all, Piccolo was the strongest Android 17 over seven years ago, and that's not taking into account his training and preparation for the Cell games of the tournament. I think I think because Piccolo was part Kami, he sensed the higher deity level of power Kaioshin had. Yeah, I think if it came down to a fight, Piccolo, sorry, Piccolo would probably beat Kaioshin, probably without without much effort. But I think that because he sensed who Kaioshin was, he he just didn't want to even risk that because Kaioshin um we're not going to see much fighting from him really uh he gets into it a little bit next episode because <laughs> Majibu's out there but honestly he's not he's powerful he's, he's obviously powerful more powerful than Frieza but in terms of this uh era of the series he's not much to really worry about so I think that Piccolo wasn't wasn't so much like oh he's so, so much stronger than I am was it as oh he's on an upper echelon of of being so that's why you didn't want to fight him Number five, in the UK dub, when Deborah showed up, we got a bit of dialogue from Kaioshin and Kabito about how the demon world where Deborah is from where things work in reverse. So someone strong in our world would be weak in Deborah's world. Is there any dialogue like that in the US dub or the manga? Since it's always struck me as odd to be brought up considering it's never been used. Um, I don't remember that being in the manga, and that wasn't in the American dub. Um, so I think that was probably a, a, a bit of uh, United Kingdom uh, dub line. Because uh, pretty much, I mean... In the manga, Deborah's they don't outright say it, but he's essentially the devil. He pretty much is like, you know, he like he rules the demon world and everything like that. He kind of, you know, with a point of years and everything. He's sort of like, you know, an interpretation of the devil in, in Dragon Ball's world. That being said, we've already done this dance with there was a devil character in Dragon Ball, so, or whatever. But, I mean, he's essentially, you know, a lord of a demon realm where he is like, you know... Compared to our guys, he's about as strong as Cell, but he is like, if they were in the Demon Realm, he probably would be the strongest character and unbeatable, but um, we're not going to know much about that, at least in the remaining episodes. Well, that's all for now. I can't wait till the next episode when we get into some real meat of this saga. Regards, Alex Even Jelly. P.S. I'm a Mooney and proud of it. Also, Jupiter was probably my favorite. <laughs> awesome. You and uh, Jesse both. Thank you very much, Alex, and thank you very much for listening to The Next Dimension. Thank you for listening to The Next Dimension, a Dragon Ball Z podcast. You can find the show and leave feedback at dbznextdimension.lipson.com or write in for emails at dbznextdimension at hotmail.com. If you like what we're doing, please send in feedback at iTunes or like us on Facebook. Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball GT, and Dragon Ball Kai are all owned by Funimation, Toy Animation, Fuji TV, and Akira Toriyama. Dragon Ball is created by Akira Toriyama. I don't understand. You've never allowed anyone to help you before in your life. Why start now? Why Bobbity?
because I wanted him to reawaken the evil in my heart. I wanted him to return me to the way I was before! I was the perfect warrior, cold and ruthless. I lived by my strength alone, uninhibited by foolish emotion. But slowly, over the years, I became one of you, my quest for greatness gradually giving way to this life of mediocrity. I awoke one day to find that I had settled down, formed a family. I had even grown quite fond of them. Would you believe I almost started to think the Earth was a nice place to live? Do you understand now, Kakarot? That's why I needed Bobbity to set me free by releasing the evil in my heart. He has freed me of these petty attachments. I'd have to say it feels pretty good. Do you really believe what you're saying? Ah!